0: Thank you for listening to The Leader. Did you know we also do audio news bulletins through smart speakers? There's a new one at seven every morning. Just ask for the news from The Evening Standard. And you can hear The Leader podcast every afternoon at four pm. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode. Now, from The Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. We are now in phase two of the UK's coronavirus battle plan.
1: We've moved from a situation where we were mainly in contain to we're now basically mainly delay. Chief Medical Officer.
0: Professor Chris Whitty explained what that means to MPs earlier. We'll speak to our Deputy Political Editor, Nicholas Cecil.
2: Also... As things stand, it's only the research department that seems to have been cleared. Is this
0: how coronavirus begins to bite? HSBC cleared an entire floor of its Canary Wharf HQ and Flybe went bust with passengers already on flights. The Evening Standards Jonathan Prince says we can expect more. And... <laughs> This is real life in a refugee camp, the immersive experience being launched by the Imperial War Museum for its refugee season. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is the leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comment. In a moment, after contain, delay, the next stage in the battle against coronavirus.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
4: Wherever you get your podcasts, thanks for listening.
0: It was inevitable, and it seems to have happened already. Coronavirus has broken containment.
1: What we're doing is putting greater and greater priority on the elements of this, which are delay. Now, actually, for for the early stages of delay, contain and delay are very similar, not quite the same. And they're largely around finding early cases, isolating them, following their chains of transmission... Uh, where necessary, isolating those people.
0: That's Chief Medical Officer Chris Whitty updating the Commons Health and Social Care Committee chaired by Jeremy Hunt. The UK has a four-point plan to fight coronavirus, contain, delay, mitigate research. Professor Whitty said today that we're now mainly in delay. Our Deputy Political Editor, Nicholas Sassels, in Westminster. Nicholas, what does mainly in delay
5: mean? Well, basically, the government is... Rather than now trying to contain the disease here, trying to stop it getting a hold in Britain, it it will now seek to delay a major outbreak here. And the reason why they want to do that is that they they want to push the outbreak back towards the spring or early summer. The reason for that is threefold. Firstly, it buys you time to develop medicines which might be effective against COVID-19. Importantly, it will also mean that the NHS is likely to be under less pressure because it, it, hopefully it would have got out of the winter, winter pressure points by then. And additionally, there's a hope that the warmer weather will make it more difficult for the virus to spread.
0: Now, we don't really know an awful lot about what being in stage two of the battle plan means at the moment, do we, Nick?
5: No, this afternoon, the government's scientific advisory committee was due to meet, and they were going to discuss the various measures that you could take to try and slow down the arrival in a major outbreak of COVID-19. Some measures seem on the face of it to be very sensible, for example, like closing schools. That seems quite an obvious idea. But certainly, Professor Whitty was explaining actually... It's quite a major move which could have a limited impact on the spread of coronavirus. There's a range of things that we could do, ranging from things with almost
1: no economic impact and high efficacy, top of the range, washing your hands, second, covering your mouth when you cough with a tissue, uh, you know, no, all the way down through to things that have major societal impacts like closing schools, which obviously affects on the children but also on the parents and potentially on employment and on particular sectors of the economy.
5: So far, cases overseas where we've seen outbreaks in other countries, children tend to get the disease less, and certainly in not such a virulent way. And the main way of spreading it is when you've actually got symptoms, and children often are not developing severe symptoms, so they may actually pass it on less than adults.
0: And one other thing that Professor Woody spoke about during his meeting with the committee today was the use by other countries of things like apps to show people where infection hotspots are. And he said that there might be something similar coming to the UK, but he didn't want it to be too detailed, too street level, did he?
5: Yes. Um, there's a bit of controversy here because the health chiefs announced yesterday that that the regional breakdown of the figures uh, would only be published weekly. And I I think this is just one of those glitches which happens during during these public health campaigns. And that message has been swiftly corrected today. And we will get daily updates. There there may be 24 hours delay. And the reason for that is because they want to make sure that they're accurate, these figures. Other countries have been more specific, even given street-by-street locations of cases. Professor Whitty was reluctant to do this, basically because of concerns that you could stigmatise patients who've got the infection, and they could also face abuse on social media when they're just innocent victims like like anyone else who, who gets the infection. Some of the
1: people who've had uh, the infection or some people who people think might have the infection have had a lot of um, social uh, problems uh, and vilification in social media and even occasionally uh, in more mainstream media. Uh, and we are absolutely, I am as a doctor, I'm very against getting any patient identifiable information and I think for this reason we should also be careful. So I'm not in favour of going down to street level or or within 100 metres of a coronavirus. I I think that is the wrong approach for this country.
0: A lot of people have been worried about getting on public transport, taking things like the tube. Was was there anything on that said today?
5: Yes, Professor Whitty was very clear about that. He said, yes, there is a risk of putting your hand on a, a handrail or something like that, which has got coronavirus on it. And then... If you wash your hands, he says, then you eliminate the risk, basically, of catching the infection. Basically, the advice is, if you've been on the tube, if you've been on public transport, wash your hands. And this is very much the wider message, is just wash your hands frequently. And that's what really what the government is advising at the moment.
0: Next. Got it. Just... I don't know. I don't know how I feel <laughs> It's just... Very um, shocking. Flybe passengers were getting on planes when the company went bust. We speak to Consumer Business Editor Jonathan Prynne about what happened and separate coronavirus developments at HSBC in London.
4: Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance.
0: Companies all over the world have been planning what to do if coronavirus is found in their offices. In the UK, that's starting to happen. HSBC cleared out part of its London HQ after an employee tested positive for it. Our consumer business editor, Jonathan Prince, following the story. And Jonathan, what do we know?
2: What we do know is that a research analyst tested positive for coronavirus um, a day or two ago, and as a result, the research floor at the Canary Wharf headquarters of, of HSBC has been cleared for a deep clean. And we understand that um, members of staff who have been in contact with this particular employee have been told to work from home for the time being. So it's just the research floor, not the trading floor, as have been speculated? No, the bank are insisting it's just the research floor. The trading floor is continuing to operate as normal. It's a huge building. There's 45 floors in the building. And as things stand it's only the research department that seems to have been cleared but as ever it's it's a fast moving situation and um you know we may we may know more before the end of the day it's likely we're going to see more of this sort of thing offices being closed floors being closed people
0: working from home isn't it
2: i think it's it's completely inevitable i mean listening to to what professor witty was saying this morning it does sound as if we you know we need to be prepared for fairly ex- rapidly accelerating spread of of infection and as businesses have to face up to the fact that employees have the illness they are going to have to um close down at very short notice offices restaurants maybe museums who knows but I'm pretty sure this will be a sort of rolling story around London for for several months to come.
0: And of course, one company that had to take some very quick action was Flybe, which collapsed as people were getting on planes last night.
2: Yeah, I it finally, I mean, Flybe's been in trouble for a while. It it had a, a recent financial injection that looked as if it uh, might keep it going for, for a little while. But uh, the coronavirus has had a big effect on on bookings. People Stop travelling. That was the final straw for the for the airline. They called in the administrators two o'clock uh, in the morning last night, as you say, more or less as people were preparing to uh, to to get on early morning flights. The fourth airline to uh, British airline to collapse in the last two years. It's quite a vulnerable industry, and obviously one of the most vulnerable to the economic fallout from coronavirus.
0: Yeah, so we're seeing coronavirus in its terms probably picking that easy fruit isn't it it's these are the, the vulnerable industries are the ones are going to be hit first and then we're going to start to see more and more economic impact from this and i i wonder if that's going to be the big legacy of coronavirus lots of people are going to get sick but actually we're going to see this huge sort of economic problem caused by a disease
2: yeah i mean it's the first uh, global epidemic of 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 the era of globalization, in a way the world 's so much more interconnected um, so yes there 's the direct effects of people spending less restaurants in the West End have been very badly hit already we 're hearing that travel companies, airlines in particular are going to are going to suffer. But there there's also uh, because of the interconnectivity of world trade now, um, particularly the supply lines coming out of China, which was obviously the the, the, has been the the epicenter of of the of the illness so far. You know, China is is the manufacturing um, capital of the world now and businesses in the UK that depend on supply lines uh, coming out of China are starting to feel the pain now and that's going to increase and accelerate fairly quickly and could have quite a profound impact on, on the economy over the next few months, potentially sending us into recession, although most analysts are still saying we'll manage probably very slow growth in the next uh, in the next few months. But uh, yeah, a coronavirus recession is something that's very much a possibility. And you can read more on that story online at
0: standard.co.uk now. This is what it sounds like in a refugee camp. What you can hear is taken from footage shot by CNN inside the Moria camp on a Greek island. 18,000 people currently live there. The film will be part of an installation launching next month at the Imperial War Museum, and the Evening Standard's editorial column is welcoming it.
3: An immersive exhibition at the Imperial War Museum will allow visitors to experience what life is like in a refugee camp in Lesbos, currently receiving a surge in arrivals from Turkey triggered by fighting in the Syrian city of Idlib. It won't be pleasant and should remind us all of the need to find better solutions to the human tragedy, not just in Lesbos, but in similar camps worldwide.
0: Our arts correspondent Robert Dex joins me. Robert, what can people expect when they step into this camp?
3: I think people can expect, essentially, an audio-visual assault on the senses. The idea is to give some idea, and it can only be a, you know, a notion, of exactly what it's like in a camp originally built for about 2,000 people that is now home to tens of thousands of people.
0: How successful can an immersive thing like this be at, at helping people understand what life is actually like inside a refugee camp?
3: I think the museum has correctly identified you know, the refugee problem as one of the most urgent issues of the time, and and really that's what museums should be doing. should be looking at things that are in the headlines but trying to get behind the headlines a bit and looking at some of the background. I think people have a tendency to think about the Imperial War Museum and war as battles and soldiers and winners and losers... Um, and they very much see part of their mission as expanding that conversation and, and showing, if you like, the ripple effects that a war, a war in a far-off country, you know, of which we know nothing, to coin to kind a of phrase, uh, the effect that can have and how it can come closer to our shores as well.
0: The artist Ai Weiwei's been given the entire atrium for a site-specific artwork, they say, and they've never done that before. What kind of an impact is that going to have on people, seeing that almost as soon as they arrive?
3: by putting his artwork on the floor you will literally have to walk over it to get into the museum so even before you see any other exhibits he's already got you thinking about war the effects of war on the wider world refugees everyone that goes into the museum as they go in and as they leave, we'll see his work. So he has literally a captive audience. He obviously famously covered the, the floor of, of Tate and Borden in, in sunflower seeds. I mean, this won't be exactly like that, but it, it's on a similar scale. And there is something about seeing work that big. It, it is impossible to ignore, and, and that's precisely what he wants.
0: You can go and see that installation at the Imperial War Museum from April 2nd. And that's The Leader. We're back to model at four. Subscribe to make sure you don't miss it.